You're listening to the Jay and Dan Podcast. Brought to you by our friends at McDonald's. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Jay and Dan podcast for Monday, August the 10th, and we are thrilled that you joined us for this edition, and we want to start out by uh, making a couple of apologies uh, on this edition of the Jay and Dan podcast. Number one, we want to apologize for the audio on our podcast last week. I know a lot of you have made comments, and uh, I sincerely apologize. That's all on me. Um, very quick backstory. We had Mark Hebsher, legendary sportscaster Mark Hebsher on our podcast last week. The initial plan was uh, I was back in studio doing the podcast solo. Uh, we were going to uh, Skype him in. The sound would have been great. Everything would have been great. Um, but at the last minute, uh, because it was our first night back in studio or our second night, um, there's so many things that the crew is dealing with. And uh, I did not, I did not give them enough time to deal with them. So they had the Skype hooked up, I think about five minutes after our interview started, we should have just stopped and started again, but uh, we decided to go with the phone call and uh, I'm not sure what um, cellular service Mark Hebsher is subscribing to, but I definitely know it's not Bell uh, because the quality of the call was not ideal. So that's obvious to all of you who listen to it. It's what's really a shame is that Mark is such a great interview and it really was a, a, an awesome interview. Who is so open and honest and we really appreciated that, but uh, we got to get him a new cell phone. But the bottom line is I apologize. We'll make sure uh, that the, the sound is better going forward and I'll be a little more prepared. So that's on me. Number two, you're probably saying to yourself, Hey, uh, Dan is back on the TV show. Why isn't Dan back on the podcast? Um, Dan's just uh, easing back into things at this point. Uh, it's been, a, as you can imagine, a, a pretty stressful couple of months for him. And, uh, and I think uh, we all just thought, you know, maybe easier for him to just do concentrate on the TV side of things this week. Uh, I'll do uh, one more solo podcast. And then uh, next week, or actually the next three weeks, I am off. So you'll get solo podcasts with Dan. So uh, that'll be great. You'll get to catch up with Dan and see what he's been up to. And, uh, but he's doing great. Came back, did the show. Stoff, I know you watched the show, and I thought he did an awesome job last night. Totally. It was great to see you guys back at it. It was fun and uh, super fun to watch the draft lottery just before we taped this podcast and, uh, and see the New York Rangers who I said on the TV show, I believe on Sunday, someone said, who would be the best team to get them? I said the Rangers from a league perspective. I mean, Gary Bettman has got to be uh, at least three-quarters erect right now. He's got to be so excited about the fact that Alexi Lafreniere is going to the Big Apple. Um, I think our friend Ariel Hawani, the UFC insider that we have on the podcast a lot, said it best. He said, it is a very Patrick Ewing in 1984 to the next moment. Um, I don't know if it's quite like that because the Knicks were truly awful and Ewing was their savior. The Rangers aren't that awful. I mean, they've got the bread man and they've got Zibanejad and they've got Jacob Truba. They've got some p- nice pieces uh, and nice young pieces that they can surround Lafreniere with. But uh, overall, uh, this is this is pretty exciting stuff for the league. I, I would have personally been very 
very pumped to see the Penguins or Leafs or Oilers get Lafreniere. Um, probably funniest would have been Edmonton for sure, obviously, getting Lafreniere. Second funniest, I think, would be Pittsburgh. And then third would have been uh, would have been the Maple Buds. So, yeah. So, uh, interesting uh, qualifying round for the Stanley Cup playoffs. I think it was tremendously entertaining. thought the Vancouver Canucks looked excellent. Very impressed with them against the Minnesota Wild. thought Calgary looked excellent, too. Tough for the Jets, of course, because you lose two of the best players in the league in Line A and Shifley. And it's, uh, you know, their defense, uh, as we all know, was decimated over the past year. So tough for them to keep up, even with a goaltender who's probably going to win the Vezina Trophy and Connor Hellebuck. And the Leafs, what can you say? I personally was completely shocked they lost that game yesterday, Stoff. I, I thought, and I said it on the TV show too, on Friday they come back and they win that game with those three goals in, at the end of regulation and winning it in overtime. And I, and I turned to my wife. My wife. Um, who is a diehard, lifelong Leaf fan. I mean, she's born and raised, loves the Buds. And I turned to my wife, my wife. and I said, uh, I think this team has really turned the corner at this moment. I really believe that this was the moment that we're, we were all going to look back on and say, you know how the Leafs couldn't get out of the first round and there was so much frustration with this core group. Uh, but that one Friday night when they came back, uh, and tied it and won it in overtime and sent it to a game five. That's where everything turned around. Uh, obviously, I was completely wrong about that. They they just didn't they just didn't do anything on on Sunday. I mean, they had some opportunities. Tavares hit a post. Um, Andreas Janssen had a great chance after it was two nothing at one point. But um, yeah, the Blue Jackets very New Jersey in the nineties. You know, just stifling defense and just shut them down and. Now you've got to believe that they're going to make wholesale changes. It's amazing to me, stuff. how many people are calling for Freddie Anderson to head out the door when just it seemed like a year ago or a year and a half ago, everyone's like, well, at least we got our goalie situation, you know, fixed. We got our goalie that we're, we're going to have for a long, long time. Now everyone wants to rush him out the door. I guess he hasn't won a series, right? Yeah, he's 0-4 in elimination games, I guess, or rather uh, do-or-die games, so... Yeah, it was a tough, that second goal was tough. That, was, that second yeah. goal on Sunday was a tough one. And, and then you go to Edmonton, and I don't know what to think about Edmonton. You know, Connor McDavid, I think, said it so eloquently. They can't just get up to play Calgary. When they play Calgary, Calgary brings that out in them, that intensity. And for whatever reason, they can't, they can't seem to get it going anywhere else. This is an interesting um, tidbit I have. And stop. you let me know when we've got to get to our first guest. Uh, Jermaine Franklin. By the way, our two guests today, very quickly, Annie Guglia, who is a Canadian Olympic uh, skateboarder who's going to be competing for Canada in skateboarding. The Tokyo Olympics are going to have skateboarding. She's going to be on later. And then Jermaine Franklin, who's our newest anchor, former Calgary Bureau Chief, he's going to be on in just a few seconds here. I'm just getting uh, unavailable from him, Jay. Uh, I I dialed him up a couple times already while you were talking. I'm so not surprised by this in some ways. This would be funny to keep in, eh? I'm texting Jermaine. Hey, buddy. Trying to Skype you. It looks like he was online. He has that little yellow clock, like as if he's away or something. Oh, boy. Well, let's keep going. So... 
What I wanted to say before we get to Jermaine, you know, Edmonton and Calgary to a certain extent too, and Vancouver. This is a weird theory that I have about these teams. And I'm someone who comes from Western Canada, so I can say these things. I think those crowds, uh, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, are among the quietest crowds in the NHL. Not quiet because they're not into the game. It's quite the opposite, actually. They're quiet because they're into the game. They're quiet because they're true hockey fans and they're watching the game. They're not, uh, you know, you go to a lot of, you go to L.A. and you watch a game, watch the Kings play. A lot of that crowd is just waiting for that first fight. They're praying for that fight. They're calling for people to fight. They want everyone to fight. Their greatest moment in a hockey game for a lot of American hockey fans is when two guys fight. Canada, especially Western Canada, it's different. They're watching the game. They're studying everything that's happening. And because of that, it can be quiet in those buildings while play is happening. What is my point? My point is that I actually thought this would be an advantage for the Western Canadian NHL teams that had qualified for this qualifying round. I thought that for Edmonton and Calgary and Vancouver, they would get into those buildings and be like, yeah, our building's usually pretty quiet. This is no problem for us. We can get up for this. This is easy. Whereas Chicago, right, where it's always bustling and loud and buzzing, the building is buzzing when you go to the United Center. It's buzzing. And suddenly you go to a building that is dead quiet, I thought maybe that would rattle them a little bit. And obviously I was wrong. Obviously um, they ha- still have that veteran savvy that Edmonton just doesn't have. But it's, it is interesting to see what happens with Edmonton. It's interesting to see what happens with Toronto. Because I think if you're the fan basis, I almost sent out this tweet last night, Stop. If you're a fan of the Leafs or a fan of the Oilers, you're in this weird, awkward stalemate right now, right? Because those fan bases love to make fun of each other. They love to rip each other as much as they can. And right now, they're both kind of sitting there thinking, wait a minute, we can't even get into the playoffs with these rosters, with these world-class stars we have on our rosters. We can't even get into the playoffs. And we're not exactly sure what we have to do to fix it. You know, you always hear uh, right-shot defenseman with Toronto, Um, they don't grow on trees, right? Like, you're going to have to trade a Mitch Marner, not a William Nylander, but a Mitch Marner, I think, to get the kind of defenseman that Leafs Nation really thinks that they deserve. I don't think a William Nylander is going to do it. Personally, that's my personal opinion. And then in Edmonton, I just don't know. I, I really don't know. I feel like they need more secondary scoring, obviously. But I also feel like Miko Koskinen, you know, despite the fact that maybe it wasn't the greatest series coming in, really looked excellent through a lot of the regular season. And it seemed like maybe Edmonton had actually found a gem there. Uh, but I'm not 100% sure about that. You know, I probably feel better about a veteran goalie with, with some experience. And I'm not talking about Mike Smith, obviously. Um you know, it's it's hard to say what's going to fix these problems because you have the Hart Trophy winner and the guy who probably should have won the Hart Trophy on the Edmonton Oilers right now. That guy who probably should have won it if he hadn't been injured right now. And and you can't even qualify for the postseason. It's got to be tough for the Oilers. But, um, you know, they'll draft someone else in the mid-first round and we'll see what happens. Leafs don't have that first-round draft pick. They had to give it up. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, they'll obviously have to shake things up. One thing I will say, though, I wish we could add Jeff O'Neill on. It's hard to get Jeff on because he does three hours of radio on a Monday, and he's, it's tough to turn him around. But stop. 
was it Thursday night that the Leafs uh, lost? Uh, Dubois scored the last right, the last minute thirty in the game. The three nothing comeback. The three nothing yeah. comeback. So that was game three, correct? So game three, uh, we had a panel hit after the game was over on Sports Center, and it was Duffy and Jeff O'Neill and I believe Dregs. And Jeff O'Neill was at home, and he was so angry, so visibly angry about the Leafs blowing that lead and losing that he wouldn't even look into the camera. He wouldn't even look into the camera. That's that's how angry he is. You know what I mean? Like how when a, a, when a child gets so angry, they don't even want to look at you, uh, right? Yeah. They, they don't the, even look at because they know. The passion's real. The passion is so real with Jeff. And I appreciate that. Um, I know some people probably don't love that he's a homer and everyone already thinks we're the Toronto Sports Network. But, man, I love that true, genuine passion from Jeff O'Neill. And he was obviously not thrilled Sunday. I, he was actually a little more subdued Sunday after that effort on Sunday. It was the Thursday night that he was so, so upset um, that I really thought he was something crazy was going to happen. And then we noticed that there was a Louis Vuitton briefcase that he had on his chair next to him. And I thought, what the hell does Jeff O'Neill need a, a briefcase for, period? Much less a Louis Vuitton briefcase. Stuff, does he actually do show prep for Overdrive? Uh, if, if for those of you who don't know, Jeff is the co-host of our afternoon TSN radio show in Toronto. Yeah, he usually gets going around noon. I think he sends out the lineups around 2 o'clock, faxes them out. A lot, a, lot, a lot of prepping, a lot of paper goes into that briefcase for sure. No doubt about okay, it. Okay, so Stoff is being sarcastic. Stoff is being sarcastic here. What he's saying is no, it's very unlikely. That Jeff, what, did, um, what did Jamie McLennan call it when Jeff sort of uh, goes into dreamland? He oh, daydreams. He goes, he goes baby monkey. Baby monkey. That's yeah. what it is. He, he just sort of checks out for a segment or two the, of the, the glaze show. over the eyes, yep. Right, right. It's something, maybe they're talking, I don't know, they're talking Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns or something, and he just doesn't want any part of it, and he starts thinking about his days in, in Carolina and all the fun he had and that kind of thing. He picks his spots. He picks his spots. But, yeah, I I think both fan bases, this other fan base, this Leaf fan base, are, they're a little lost right now because... Um, it's not going to be easy to get what they need to get to fix these teams, especially with the cap, obviously. So be an interesting offseason. I'll say that. It'll be a fun and interesting offseason. And, uh, and then how about those Montreal Canadiens? How about those Montreal Canadiens? <laughs> like, halfway through the year, what was it? We were talking about Bergevin getting fired, and, and it was like the, it was doom and gloom, and was Jeff Bolson going to stick with Bergevin and this and that and all these rumors, and it was a disaster, and Drouin wasn't working out, and Price, is he ever going to be the same, and was that contract a huge mistake, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then they just played the Pittsburgh Penguins like kind of like Chicago played Edmonton. They just played great team hockey. They got contributions from the right guys at the right time, and they have a goaltender who was at the, the best in the world at one time, and probably when it's all said and done and you had to go with one goalie to win a series, you'd probably still go with Carey. You probably would because he's just that good. When he's on his game, he's just that good, and that can be the difference in a series. For Habs fans, I realize that maybe you'd rather have lost that particular series to have a crack at Lafreniere. 
But um, let's be honest. That was only a one in eight chance. That was a pretty good chance, actually. <laughs> that, that Leafs ball was close. It was yes. Yeah, so I, I, I saw someone throw on uh, Twitter that uh, it bounced off the post like the Tavares shot. So mm. that hurt, but it accurate. That's that's very nice. I mean, that would have solved a lot of problems for Toronto, right? You you add that forward, and then suddenly there's a couple of guys that are really expendable, and you can make a deal. And maybe you're not getting your top two pairing guy, but maybe you're getting a three four guy or a couple of those guys. Um, I don't know. It's uh, it's always always entertaining in living in the city of Toronto and not actually being a fan of the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's very strange. It must be like working in New York and not being a Yankee fan or uh, or working in LA and not being a Laker fan, you know? It's like eventually um maybe you just become a fan of the team because it's, it, you, you know, you start to feel bad. You start to feel bad for the Leafs. Maybe I'll start to be a Leaf fan. Maybe I'll join This household is all Leafs, right? It's my wife, my kids are all Leafs. So maybe I'll maybe I'll join them stuff. Maybe I'll join Leafs Nation. Might as well do Why it. Why not? I'm about to turn forty six. Just you know, pick up a new team. Toolsy does it all the time. Toolsy's had let's go through it. Toolsy's started as a Habs fan. Then he was an Oilers fan. Then I think he's a Canucks fan. At some point he was probably a Leaf fan. He grew up around Toronto. So Toolsy's all over the map. He's very much a, a Team Canada guy. He's more of like a floozy for for what's hot. He's a he's a team floozy is what Toolsy is. Floozy is a Toolsy's a floozy, I would say. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I, I got to say the hockey's been great. Like stuff, I don't know how you feel about it, but from my perspective, I think man, I think the hockey looks great on TV. The product is great. I wish we had it at TSN because man, it's. It's a great product, and I can see why it's done well for not just for the guys up here, but NBC, the numbers in the States. um, This has been a good thing for hockey in the States. Uh, NBC Sports Network's getting numbers during the day they would never get, you know, a couple hundred thousand people in a day, right? So um, normally they have like a rerun of of Rich Eisen or Dan Patrick on, you know? So I, I think it's been great for hockey in that sense. And obviously the bubble in, in the NBA's been fantastic for the nba as well what about the nba there's some real stars emerging in the bubble like real stars like i know devin booker was an emerging star but now you really see okay you you really get a chance to watch this kid play enough that draymond green was tampering and trying obviously trying to lure him to golden state like he is an excellent player but my theory is this stuff about the phoenix suns they've got they've always got to have one good player they've always got to have one good player whether you go back to Barkley or Cedric Sabalos or Amari Stoudemire or Steve Nash or Devin Booker right now, you gotta give that you gotta give that market one player to go see. And right now that player is Devin Booker. So I don't think he's going anywhere. And then for Indiana, TJ Warren, out of nowhere, incredible putting up 40 points a night. So I'm loving the NBA and the NHL, and obviously zero positive cases for like forever. So they're killing it. Um, Major League Soccer, too. Yeah. One thing I noticed, though, stuff. once the NBA and NHL started, Major League Soccer really, I feel like, 
kind of got overwhelmed almost, right? From cut from a coverage perspective, or or am I or am I wrong? Yeah, probably like, a little bit. I it just got pushed into the background a bit. I think also uh, once uh, hockey and basketball got going, um, the MLS went into the knockout stage, so there was fewer games in general. So I guess true. it just wasn't as pushed to the front. But uh, yeah, the finals tomorrow night. So. Yeah, yeah. Final, what's it? Portland? Portland the Timbers? And is it Orlando I City? Bo- Orlando FC, is it? Orlando FC? I don't I will double check. I, 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 I can't remember, but yeah. the And that Portland uh, market is an excellent MLS market. Yeah. So that would that would be, be really good for the league if, if Portland were to win it for sure. I think that, that uh, fan base is, you know, kind of similar to Toronto and, and, uh, and Montreal and Vancouver's fan base is really good fan bases. Orlando City, uh, you had it right. Orlando City, there he is. So Orlando City and the Portland Timbers yeah. in your MLS final, which I believe we'll have on TSN if you want to check it out. Eight thirty. If you want to, if you want to see what it's like, if you want to check it out. Um, I also want to address the fact that some of you have not enjoyed the one-on-one interview pods as much as I hoped you would. Um, I got to be honest, I love them. I've, I've absolutely loved every second of them. And I love doing the pod with Toolsy, obviously. That's the bread and butter of the pod. We love doing it together. That's the pod you've come to know and love. Um, these one-on-one things, you know, when Toolsy's not here, when he's on vacation, I personally love doing them. It just gives me a chance to go for a longer conversation with someone I'm interested in talking to. You know who I was thinking about today's uh, stuff? Uh, we should have had Dave Hodge on one of these pods. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hodgey. You know, the next time Tools takes some time off, a little vacay, uh, maybe around the holiday season, we'll get Hodge on. Maybe we could do our our long gestating, sitting in the oven, not actually come out of the oven, best of albums list. We could revive it, our annually tolerated best of albums list. We used to do it for TSN.ca. Dave left TSN. We sort of let it uh, let it fall by the wayside for a little bit, but I really think that it would be fun to have Dave on because there's been some great music out this year, and uh, and I got to tell you, I would have no problem doing a, a pod like that with Dave Hodge, and also it'd be great to to get Dave's thoughts on all this stuff, right? Like pandemic bubble. He's one of the most intelligent people you will ever meet in your entire life. So just to get his thoughts on all of this, I think would be uh, a wonderful thing. So that's a future one. But yeah, I just wanted to say thank you for those of you who have tolerated the one-on-one interview pods. For those who haven't, that's fair. I mean, we're just going to keep doing them. So (laughs) (laughs) speaking of music stuff, I got to tell you something. Mm Mm-hmm. Is there something that you, okay, here's my question. Is there something over the course of this pandemic lockdown, while you and your wife have been, you know, locked down and entertaining yourselves, is there something that you bought for yourself? Is there something you've treated yourself to that you wanted to buy for a long time? Or are, is there something you collect and you're spending way more money on that now that you're in lockdown? Not necessarily. I did treat myself to some new uh, studio monitors here for my, the speakers in my uh, little studio here. So that's that's okay. a little something for sure. I think that's a, that's good because that direct that's something you work with every day. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And the rest I'm just saving up for vaccine money. <laughs> I heard Johnson... Obama said Johnson and Johnson has a good vaccine. 
Well, <laughs> let's go. Johnson yeah. and Johnson. I thought we were talking about little companies that, you know, nobody, it's like six guys in Texas or something. Johnson and Johnson. But is this going to happen now where you're going to have competing brands and you're going to have commercials for these vaccines now? Probably. Like jingles and stuff? Yeah, probably. Maybe, maybe we can get a sponsorship out of this. Listen, I will take any vaccine sponsorship. Uh, we'll obviously take any sponsorship. And once again, I don't think I mentioned our sponsor, McDonald's, the J-Man podcast brought to you by McDonald's. Um, again, a wonderful sponsor. But I think McDonald's would happily make a little bit of room for a successful vaccine to be, say, a co-sponsor or a secondary sponsor on the Jay and Dan podcast. Wouldn't you agree, Christophe? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, like, when it actually gets approved, the vaccine or vaccines, is it just going to be a stampede? Is that what's going to happen? Oh, here's Annie. Hi, Annie Guglia. How are you? Hi. <laughs> Good yourself? Oh, we're great. You look like you're, are you at home? That's like a cool tufted leather couch you're sitting on. Thank you. Yeah, I'm at home. <laughs> it's very, and very I, cool. I literally just bought like a really nice light for all the interviews because I was getting a lot of like interviews and it was always so dark. So yes. I just got that and it worked really well, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think you look wonderful, actually. You're lit beautifully and you... um Here's my question for you. What kind of light did you get? Did you get a ring light, Annie? Like with a, that looks like a ring? No, I got... Wow, well, I don't know if you can see it, but I oh, here we go. got this. Oh, it looks good. What do you think, Krista? Looks pro. I like it. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a better light than I have, Annie. That's a better... <laughs> <laughs> so, Annie, um, first of all, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We sincerely appreciate it. And secondly, uh, you're a professional skateboarder um, and you're representing Canada at the Olympics in Tokyo, hopefully in 2021. We'll, uh, we'll get to that in a second. But uh, <laughs> the big thing that happened today for the Canadian Olympic team is, uh, and you're wearing it, is, uh, it's the Canadian Olympic collection for Tokyo. And you've got the part that I wanted to talk to you about the most. The jean jacket is the coolest <laughs> thing ever. Finally, it's we're cool. embracing the Canadian tuxedo. I love it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. When I saw it, like, in picture, I wasn't sure. But, like, when I got it, it's Levi's, and it actually fits really good. It's nice. I so like it. We should mention that. So it's, uh, it's HBC, of course, doing all the uh, Olympic uniforms. But they have uh, paired with Levi's. And if you're going to pair with a denim company, if you're going to work with a denim company, there's no more iconic company than San Francisco-based Levi Strauss, right? you got to go with them. Right. They know denim. Beautiful jacket. And then, Annie, can you show us the back? Because that is the coolest Absolutely. part. Yeah, it says it's Tokyo. Like, I don't know wow. if you see it. It's like all graffiti. see it beautifully. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, uh, so I guess Annie was sort of like uh, Tokyo street art inspired, right? Sort of? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it feels really like, it feels really like a good mix between like Canada and Japan, like Tokyo, especially. I mean, not Japan, but Tokyo. Yeah, yeah, that cool. Because you think of Tokyo as like the coolest city in the world. So we have to show up wearing something pretty, pretty rad, right? Like we can't just show up in, in I don't know, hospital scrubs. Exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, this is actually the, this is like, I, like the whole outfit I'm wearing because I also have like white jeans. 
And uh, it's the closing ceremony um, outfit. So Amazing. So like that, but, yeah. So the it'll be the jean jacket, white jeans, black t-shirt closing. And what what about the opening, Annie? What what are we wearing for the opening ceremony? I'm not sure. I saw photos on the Team Canada Instagram. Actually, they have like the three outfits. So I'm not sure which is which. Um, but there's a. I think in the whole collection, it's like 26 pieces. So it's a, it's like a, a bunch of different um, clothing um, pieces. And um, yeah, they, I mean, I like the one that I got. I, I like, I, I, I love got it. it and uh, I was, I was hyped on it. <laughs> I love it. I think it looks amazing. It's so cool. Um, I'm so excited to see you. There's so many things I want to talk to you about. Um, let's start with just the fact that you are representing Canada at the Olympics in skateboarding. Um, just when you first found out that you had qualified, you had to be top 20 in the world. Is that correct, Danny? Is that how it worked? I'm not qualified yet. We had oh. the, yeah, we're supposed to have the whole uh, qualifying process. Well, most of the qualifying process from uh, February to May of 2020 before the Olympics. So, I mean, we had our 2019 season and I was hurt so, for most of it, but I still, like with the national championships of 2020, which we had time to have before quarantine, uh, I'm I'm like in a good spot to qualify in the top to be in the top 20 for for Tokyo. But it's like it's not done yet. We still have uh, the 2021 season now. So what? How does it work now, Annie? Now that they've had to push it back, do you know when that next round of qualifying will be? Not yet. We have a um, we have a call with World Skate, which is our international skateboard federation. Uh, on Wednesday, and they're supposed to update us on that. Um, but I, from what I heard, it's probably going to be almost the same as if it would have been this year, uh, but next year, so February till uh, May. Uh, but instead, we were supposed to have like nine competitions in three months um, wow. worldwide. So that was a lot, like especially because you have to, uh, there's like quarterfinals, semifinals, finals, and all of that. So it's like at least like 10 day trips. Uh, so if you like, calculate that in like real yeah. quick, like we we're just gone for three months basically we didn't come right. back home. Uh, right. and now instead of having like nine competitions we're gonna have uh, i think four or five which makes a lot more sense and, and it's all also like a lot safer because you have time to rest right <laughs> which is important because you're you're an athlete which, you have to rest yeah. right exactly so um for you I, I i read something that you said and i thought it sounds it sounds so true because I skateboarded as a kid and I loved skateboarding. Really? Oh, I was terrible, Annie. But, um, but at the same time, I, I wondered when they added skateboarding as one of the five new sports for Tokyo, I wondered how is the skateboarding community going to accept this? And you said in an interview that at first, actually, it wasn't accepted so broadly. Is that correct? Yeah, there was a lot of backlash from the skate community because it's like a little, it's a subculture and it's, it's like outside of the mainstream culture. Most like a lot of people who skateboard, they don't play hockey or like, like bigger sports, they skateboard and that's part of their identity to try to be like different most of the time, at least. And so when it was announced that skateboarding would be in the Olympics, a lot of people were not happy with that because it just didn't make sense because like people don't even like most skateboarders didn't even want to consider skateboarding as a sport. And right. uh, that changed um, within the past four years, I'd say, because we saw a lot of positive come out of the inclusion of skateboarding in the Olympics, uh, especially for women, for
for people like in countries where it wasn't even considered as a sport, like like we didn't have federations and good skate parks. So now they're building a lot of good skate parks. Kids are getting uh, more kids are getting into it. Um, three times more women start skateboarding than men right now. So it's like it's it's all of this is positive for the skate industry. Um, and so I think now people are, are realizing that it's not just about being different. It's like if you love skateboarding, you want to share with, with as, as many people as possible. And the Olympics is a great platform for that. Can you tell me how it will work at the Olympics, Annie? Will it be, uh, will, we, will we have skateboarders on half pipes? Will we have uh, street style skateboarding? Will there be a bunch of different categories? Yeah, there's a, for, for 2021, there's a two disciplines. So it's street. So street is like, um, like a recreation of what you could find in the street, like obstacles, like, like staircases and handrails and stuff like that. And then there's park, which is like more like a, if you think of a bowl and people right. do air and stuff out of it. So it's not a half pipe. It's like more, it's, it's always a different shape um, for street and park. So the best skateboarder has to adapt to the, to whichever skate park they're skating for like every different competition. And so, and there's men and women. So there's going to be four, four events in, in Tokyo. That's you got it. How excited are you? This is pretty. Uh, you're, this is going to be pretty crazy. I'm excited. Yeah. yeah, I'm. I'm really excited because also like I'm 29, which is I mean I'm not old, but for skateboarding, like to start a skateboard like professional skateboard career, it's it's old at 26. You know, like I I've been skating for 18 years and it never was like I wanted to become a professional skateboarder when I was like 15 years old and then I kind of like stopped thinking about it for 10 years. And then the Olympics happened and I went to the first national championships because I've been skateboarding, but I'd, I haven't been competing. I was just doing it for fun. And I won the first national championships we had for, with Canada Skateboard. And that's when I was like, you know what? Like I just got out of my, um, I, I did a master's and I got out of school and I did this and it just worked out. So, I mean, for me, it's really exciting because it's, it's like an opportunity that I never thought I'd have. So it's really cool. And then uh, the other side of it is um, you are an LGBTQ athlete. So you have this, maybe this added pressure. Do you feel added pressure? Uh, almost like as, in, in terms of not only being a role model as a female skateboarder, but also on that side of the docket as an LGBTQ athlete, do you feel a lot of pressure in both aspects of that? I mean, no, I don't really feel pressure. Um, the only pressure that I felt is uh, when I came out. And I, cause there, there's like this stereotype that all female skateboarders are gay or so that's like, before I came out, I was like scared to confirm that stereotype a little bit, but then like, I realized like, this is who I am. So I'm not going to like pretend I'm not gay because I don't want to confirm a stereotype. Like I was like, for me being authentic and being myself has always been important. And like, I don't really care if people don't agree with that because because it's who I am and there's no other way <laughs> for me. And if you think of the sport, you know, if you think of skateboarding, of all the sports where you are encouraged to be yourself, to be truly authentic and to yourself, skateboarding is probably the one that that's comes to the forefront, right? I mean, I, I haven't played a lot of sports, but I feel like the skate community is really, well, it, it's changing because for a long time, we thought we were like, like cool and and different but like it was still very male dominated like white uh 
male heterosexual like teenage boys <laughs> for right. very long time. and uh, so it's not that different from most sports in, like if you think about it so um but right now the skateboarding community is so much more inclusive and to to honestly like anyone it's it's really cool and i'm really like i've never been more proud to be a skateboarder than right now that's amazing now yeah how have you been during the pandemic uh, lockdown how how are you just skating like crazy what what are you doing what are you up to i am um well for like the past three years i've been training a lot like it's it's the, the fact that skateboarding is going to the olympic kind of changed my approach to skateboarding because before i was just doing it for fun now i had to like learn tricks but in a structured way and like work on consistency in like a very structured way again and i had a schedule for skating so that that was different for for three years and with the pandemic at first i was really stressed because i thought the olympics would still happen and when it was postponed i thought like i'll just take a little break and just like work like just skate for fun and go back to the roots which i mean i've been skateboarding for fun even when i was training but i really wanted to take a break and and actually I've been skating more than almost more like I've been skating like more than 40 hours a week <laughs> for the for this summer so um and then I'll go back to training training in the in the fall do you but, is uh, it I was sorry to interrupt I was just going to ask you is it mm -hmm. like when you're when you're approaching this and you when you get to Tokyo do you have any idea what the setup will be ahead of time or is it sort of like you're just flying blind It, we don't know. And I think right. that's a really cool thing because <clears throat> skateboarding is about creativity and like, especially, well, I don't want to say especially street skateboarding, but like when you go street skateboarding, you in the street, you have to adapt to like the stairs, the handrails, like it, the obstacles are always different. So I think that people who thought about that for the Olympics, they didn't want skateboarding to become like like gymnastics, which is like, I'm not saying like, it's not a bad thing, obviously, but like, they just wanted to keep that spontaneous, creative um, yes. side of skateboarding. So um, we're going to see the, the skate park like a week before the Olympics, I think. Wow. And it's I like mean, that for all the Olympic qualifiers. Like we have two hours of, or like three hours almost of like practice before the first round of competition. And it's like, you just got to, I mean, you have a photo, you can still like, you have a photo a couple of weeks before, you can still like plan it, but you, it's never the same as like when you get there. Yeah, actually doing it. And it's funny <laughs> you bring up gymnastics because you think, you're right, those are such amazing athletes, but they're essentially trying to do the same thing perfectly over and over and over. That's their goal, right? Whereas with you guys, it's more of a creative thing, more spontaneity on the spot, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, it, it makes it really hard for judging, I, I'm sure. Like, it must be really hard. But they're getting really good also at judging it the most, um, like, object, objective uh, as possible. Like, as, as objective as possible. Because it could be right. really subjective. Because, like, you can... There's, like, a million possibilities in one skate park that you can do. And you... It's, so, the, the structure for, uh, like, the competition is... Yeah, for street, you have two... 45 second run so you can go like for 45 seconds in the skate park do as many tricks as you want and they um note you on like consistency flow style uh like tricks you're doing uh execution and all that there's like a bunch of criterias and then you have five attempts for what we call best tricks so basically you just go and you have one attempt well you have five attempts to do as many best tricks as you can 
and uh, they take your four best scores out of seven. So it's really like you still have a margin of error where you can kind of like have scores that you don't need. Um, but it's still, it's, yeah, it's a lot of strategy. And that's also new to skateboarding, like the whole stra- strategic way of approaching skateboarding. I like it. And you're explaining this so well. You should be, when you're done skateboarding, you should broadcast skateboarding for the CBC, I mean, right? All right, we'll, we'll talk to, we'll talk we'll to the see, CBC. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see what they say. Now, um, before I let you go, um, Tokyo, man. Now, have you been to Tokyo before to compete or just to be there? I I have actually. Um, it's funny because it's. I think it was in 2018. Um, it, I was invited with ten other athletes from other sports, so like athletes from fencing, diving, uh, archery, like like different world from skateboarding. Like I had no All idea right. what to expect because it was my first ex- Olympic experience. And we went to Tokyo um, to uh, like experience Japanese culture and like see the um, the training facilities that they have and stuff. And for me, like I was mind blown because I had right. like for me a training facility is just like a public skate park. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Especially two years ago. Now I'm like getting good at it, but um, two years ago it was different, and um, it was it was awesome. I really it was. I think it was my one of my favorite trips ever it was i learned so much and the japanese culture really like stick with me i really like it and it's it's uh, i've been meditating ever like since i came back from tokyo i've been meditating every day oh wow because you were it's like did something have, have they inspired you the culture inspired yeah. you yeah yeah that's so awesome i love that <laughs> and now you're going because that's got to be good that's got to be a good feeling for you knowing you're going to be competing there and you already have this good feeling inside when you're there and you you like the culture you go into that environment you're going to feel good you're gonna you're gonna kick ass yes <laughs> well listen, i'm sure that's Annie, how it's gonna go down <laughs> <laughs> that's what i say any um well first of all we got to mention uh the the team canada collection uh hbc you can pick it up and uh Man, like, look how great Annie looks. Look at the jacket. It's so cool. Oh, my God. It's really cool. I, it's just going to be... And when it's, you it, guys... I think it's, it's awesome that it's, uh, like, it's um, available to the public, too. Because so, it's, like, something that people can share with the athletes. And 10% of the proceeds go to um, the retu- safe return to sports for athletes, like, with the coronavirus and stuff. So it's it's, like, I think it's great that... Um, like for example, if someone like shares this jacket with like with the athletes, and then we all like they they're part of our adventure. So I think it's really that's cool. right. Yeah, we're all kind of we're all part of a team in some way, right? We're all we're all rooting for you, Annie. It's gonna be a wild time. We're gonna be following you the whole way. I hope it's okay if we stay in touch with you and and see how you're doing as you're training and preparing for to for twenty twenty one. I'm hoping it happens in 2021. I like I I want this to. I, it's going to be such a good Olympics. Um, yeah, I'm so excited. I hope we're there with you. Uh, but we want to just thank you so much uh, for joining us today, and uh, wish you the best Thanks of luck. Excited. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thanks again, and uh, and we will talk to you soon down the road. Thanks, Annie. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. There you go, Annie Guglia. What a lovely person. And um, 
I love that jean jacket stuff. I don't know if you noticed, but I was going nuts over that thing. Uh, But yeah, she's cool. And uh, what a, you know, skateboarding, I thought the same thing when they put it in. I'm thinking, man, the, the, uh, the Olympic committee is trying a little too hard here to be cool. Cause surfing is also in the, to- one of the five new sports. Uh, but I gotta say, I think this is going to be an amazing thing. You know, like you're going to see all the biggest skateboard stars from around the world. They're going to be competing. And this is why the NHL players wanted to be at the Olympics. Cause this yeah. is what people care about. Right. I mean, this is, they know like, for skateboarders, you know, who are traditionally, as Annie said, they don't even necessarily want it to be considered a sport. Um, you know, it's a pastime. It's a way of life for them. Uh, for them to come to the quick realization that this is really good for, for skateboarding, obviously that's how the NHL players do. So, yeah, so good on the NHL and the NHLPA for figuring that out and, uh, and getting the players to the Olympics uh, in Beijing. Uh, again, cross your fingers. Um, stuff. We got. We're gonna. Sh- uh, I think uh, cut it off there because that we we got to go out on a high. Absolutely. We never heard from Jermaine. <laughs> nope. Probably out getting some McDonald's. Can't blame him. I can't blame him either. That's what yeah. I'd be doing if I uh, if I was him. Uh, we'll catch up with Jermaine down the road. Uh, I'll be gone the next three pods. Uh, Dan will be back, and uh, and you guys are gonna have a great time with him. And then we'll be back together. I want to say September 8th. That'll be the uh, the, reuni- the reunited pod, Dan and I. Uh, I think it's Monday, September 8th. I think that's right. I could be a little off on the date, but somewhere in there. You, we're going to so, uh, mark that on the calendar with a nice big red star. Mark this on your calendars with a big red star. You got it, buddy. You got it. Uh, Stop. I hope you have a great rest of the summer, bud. You too, buddy. Uh, enjoy those monitors. Oh, I'll be and, blasting uh, them all night. I was going to say, and I shouldn't say this because my wife listens to every pod, but boy, I bought way too many records over the pandemic stuff. I, that my only hobby is, is collecting vinyl records, being the, uh, the hipster dad that I am. And Love it. Oh, man. Uh, Andrew Miyoto, one of our uh, fine viewers uh, who's a big fan of the show, has the Discog store. Go check him out if you can. And it's been like... It's been very dangerous for me. He he and I have the exact same musical taste. He has amazing copies of albums that I've always wanted. And uh, basically my point is that my kids are not going to college. My kids are not going to go to college because there will be no money for them to do so. Uh, but not everyone can do that. Not everyone can go to college stuff. Uh, the world needs... Not everyone has a house full of amazing vinyl. So That's true. That's true. You can't have it all. As Ted Knight said in Caddyshack, the world needs ditch diggers too. So that's where we'll end the pod. And again, sincerely, thank you guys for your patience about last week, the audio and everything. Hope you enjoyed Annie this week. Hope you've enjoyed these pods over the last few weeks. And uh, Dan's back next week. Stuff. Love you, buddy. We'll talk to you in a few weeks. Right back at you. And we will see you guys soon. Take care. Bye-bye.
Listening to the Jay and Dan podcast, brought to you by our friends at McDonald's. James Duffy presents the Rubber Boots Podcast. So we're sitting down at our table. The, the waiter comes up, and he's like profusely sweating. <laughs> and this is like hundred percent his first line to us. He goes, "Hello, I am not well." <laughs> I'm very ill. <laughs> you ate there? I came down with it yesterday. I've just not been good. Not good at all. Get it at tsn.ca and anywhere you get your podcasts.